Welcome back to Out the Gate, the podcast about sailing and adventure on and around San Francisco Bay. I'm your host, Ben Shaw. And today's show is sponsored by Sun Powered Yachts. I have to tell you, I am so excited to finally have two new Maxion 415 watt panels from Sun Powered Yachts up on my boat. They are connected, they are putting out clean, quiet, abundant solar power. And today's panels are so much more efficient than ever. That's, that's why I replaced the panel I had. You might want to think about doing the same if you have older panels. Or if you're looking for solar controllers, wiring, or any other solar gear, or just someone to talk to about installation and upgrades, you really ought to reach out to Lyle and Katie at Sun Powered Yachts because they know solar power and as sailors themselves, they cater to the boating community. Now, I met Katie and Lyle at the Richmond Boat Show and had Katie on the podcast way back on episode 10. And after talking with them, I knew that when it was time for me to upgrade my panels, I would reach back out to them and sun-powered yachts. And for listeners in the Bay Area, panels are available for pickup in Hayward, California. That's what I did. I went, picked up my panels, and it saves a bundle on shipping. So find out more and order your own panels at sunpoweredyachts.com. Today's show is also sponsored by Blue Heron Batteries. If you're thinking about installing lithium batteries on your boat, and you should because there are lots of advantages, including less weight, faster charging times, more usable power, longer lifespans compared with other types of batteries, then you really need to reach out to Blue Heron Battery and Hank George. Hank was on last week's episode, if you want to go back and take a listen to that. I know that understanding all the ins and outs of installing lithium can be a real challenge, which is exactly what drew me to Blue Heron Batteries and Hank George. Blue Heron Batteries are made with high-quality cells. They come with a great warranty. They provide Bluetooth access to numerous parameters, and they're available at an exceptional price. Blue Heron was recommended to me by multiple cruisers who I trust a great deal, and Hank knows his stuff. Not only does he know his stuff, but he's really helpful, helped me determine what I needed for my boat in a very straightforward manner. My new Blue Heron batteries are installed, they're sucking up energy from those solar panels I just mentioned, and the system is fantastic. You can find out more and order your own batteries at blueheronbattery.com. This week, I'm pleased to welcome Lee Hunt, the president and CEO of the Modern Sailing School and Club, to the program. When Lauren and I first moved to San Francisco, Lauren started taking sailing lessons at Modern Sailing in Sausalito. She met some great instructors, and we soon became members there of the club so we could take their boats out on the bay. We had some really memorable sails with Modern, and some good times on shore as well, afterwards mingling with other Modern members. Now, Modern's been introducing people to sailing on San Francisco Bay since 1983. In 2014, Lee, an avid sailor who'd taken lessons at Modern, turned his passion into a business, leaving a career in product management to purchase Modern from the previous owner. Recently, Modern has expanded their operations, taking over the space in the Berkeley Marine Center that used to be 
OCSC. Well, I'll let Lee take it from here. Enjoy. My name is Lee Hunt. I'm the owner and CEO of Modern Sailing Schooling Club. Awesome. And Lee, um, uh, full disclosure here, I, my wife and I used to be members, and I accosted you once on the dock way back when, when this podcast was new. I was like, hey, Lee, I want to talk to you about a podcast. You're like, sure, yeah, whatever. And uh, I'm, we're finally getting to do I'm it. I'm glad so. we're finally doing it. I, <laughs> yeah. I would expect it would have been, absolutely, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think it was my part probably, fallen, fallen down, and, but uh, I finally reached back out. So we're three years in here. So I... I'm and congratulations on the podcast, by the way. It's thank really you. Cool. It's thank really you. Cool. It's been a lot of fun, and I've talked to a really a lot of interesting people. What I enjoy about it is just being able to talk sailing with people and get to know people in, in the area and farther beyond. So um, I'm excited to hear more about your story and more about modern because I've taken advantage of what <laughs> you guys offer here. My wife has taken classes, but I don't know the whole backstory, so I'm excited to hear that. But before we get to that, I want to hear your backstory. How did you get into sailing? So I'm born and raised in Canada. Whereabouts? Uh, Newfoundland, Canada. Oh, I so love Newfoundland. Even though right out on the coast, I didn't grow up in like a youth sailing program or anything like that. So I didn't start out with dinghies. Learning to sail was a, a fascination, but it was nothing I really pulled the trigger on back in Newfoundland. Oddly, it wasn't until college age and I was uh, doing an internship in Ottawa, Canada. Uh -huh. They had a local sailing school on a lake. They called it a lake. It was really just the fat part of Ottawa River. <laughs> there was two yacht clubs there, and they had a sailing school and what they called the Keelboat Syndicate, okay. which was a program slightly reminiscent of modern so that once you learned, you could sign out the boats and you could use them yourself, as well as they had a racing program. Oh. And so that was super fun and super exciting. We'd mm -hmm. bust out of work in the middle of the afternoon to kind of get your boat ready to be on the uh, on the start line by like 5.30 or 6 o'clock or something like that. So that was a whole lot of fun. So, I, yeah, I moved from being on the ocean. Well, it's such a maritime-focused part of the world. Mm -hmm. Did you have any... Uh, sailing or any uh, water experience in your family at all? Or uh, was so it? a lot of my family uh, were uh, had power boats. Okay. Uh, and then I had an aunt and an uncle who had a sailboat. So I had gone as a passenger a few times, but never really had the opportunity to, to take any sort of structured lessons and yeah. learn. You know, I'd puddled around with um, lasers a few times. Right. But it wasn't until college age and actually going to a course it was the you know Canadian Yachting Association structured course which is very similar to the American Sailing Association okay. program so you went through the courses there yes. while you were in college yeah I did the um, their basic level mm -hmm. and then uh, post-college uh, I was working in Ottawa and but I was traveling a lot the company I was working for was based in San Jose so I was traveling ah. down here a lot, okay. and I found an. I wanted to get uh, ocean and coastal experience, uh -huh. and so I found a school called called Pacific Yachting down in Santa Cruz, and so I did kind of intermediate level and advanced lessons with them, and so then when I, I would travel down as a young single guy just in the workforce, and I would stay yeah. over the weekend and do sailing lessons, 
And uh, when I moved, I guess it's a little warmer to do sailing lessons there than Ottawa. <laughs> exactly, and a lot more reliable wind. Yeah. Uh, in Ottawa, sometimes we'd you know rush out of work to get to the uh, start line, and everyone would get out to the start line and wait for the race to be called for lack of wind. <laughs> and then you just raft all the boats up together and drink beer. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not total loss, right? <laughs> exactly. It was, yeah, super, super fun. So I was excited to, you know, kind of broaden and deepen my uh, sailing experience. So getting ocean uh, lessons was nice. Wow. And then when I moved down here, I was a member of Pacific Yachting, so you could rent boats. I would take friends out sailing, uh, sailing in Santa Cruz. And they had a, or a reciprocal relationship with modern sailing. Oh. And so I, when I mentioned to the people down in the office down there, hey, if I wanted to go sailing on San Francisco Bay, and they said, oh, we have a partner club up there. And so that's how I got introduced to modern. So I was introduced to modern as a client. And I started, I got checked out, and I started chartering there. And I started to do some of the more advanced uh, courses, like advanced coastal cruising. Yeah. That was often hosted by the former owner of Modern. He also used to do the destination travel. So I did a Tahiti trip oh, with nice. the former owner of Modern. And so I'm still like, it's all recreational. It's all no, no end game of getting into the business. Right. So I was a... You mentioned that you were working at the time in Ottawa and your company was taking you down here. What was that work? Yeah, so I'm an electrical engineer by education. Oh, okay. And so I was working I in... I got questions for you there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I was working in high tech. Okay. So, you know, when I came out of school, it was all about the internet boom. And yeah. so, yeah. Um, yeah, I came and down so here. And so hence San Jose. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was working in Silicon Valley, and I was sailing recreationally on the weekends or doing sailing vacations, Caribbean, Tahiti, stuff like that. And then it was through Pacific Yachting, the former owner, Mark Kraft, I knew him a little bit. While I was down there for an event, he mentioned that he was going to be retiring soon. And I thought, cool, okay, so like, I wonder what it would be like to be actually running a sailing business. And I thought to myself, oh, okay, well, I know other people in the sailing business. And so I reached out to the owner of Modern, and said, hey, can I buy you a coffee? Can I pick your brain? I want to learn what it's like to run a sailing business. That's a good idea. Yeah. Before you jump in? Exactly. And so I met him. We had a coffee. We talked. And my role in tech was a product manager. Mm -hmm. So I'm very interested in the structure of the product, the price dynamics, the P&L, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so I realized I was probably being a little invasive and probing too much about you know, some guy's business. And I said, sorry, 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 sorry. I don't mean to be, you know, asking you anything that might be confidential. Yeah. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you one thing that's confidential. Modern is for sale. And <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, cool. <laughs> you've got two possibilities <laughs> yep. in front of you. And I'll be honest, right, Modern was a much more interesting prospect, bigger operation on San Francisco Bay. So I was really, really excited about that. Okay. And so from that, can, sorry, go ahead. Let me interrupt you just for a second. Can you tell us a little bit about how long Modern had been around? What was its history? Absolutely. So Modern was founded in 1983. Wow. So this is the 40th year of uh, continuous operation Congrats. for Modern Sailing. And the, the gentleman that I purchased it from, he was active in the business from 1987 onwards. 
Wow. And so by the So early, he wasn't the original founder, but he no, was he, there pretty soon after. Yeah, he was there pretty soon after. He went from being their head instructor to ultimately owning the company okay. when, I guess, the, the original uh, founder wanted to get out of the business. Okay. So I interrupted you. So you're at dinner, and he said, I'm going to tell you something confidential. And uh, did you jump at the opportunity, or did you take some time and mull it over? I mean, that's a big change. It was very out of character. But for some reason in that moment, I decided to run after the opportunity like it was mine to lose. I'm an engineer. I'm used to evaluating things very, very carefully. But I just was like, okay, I want to do this. And so I immediately set to work in trying to figure out how you go about buying a company and how you value the company and how you make the offer and how you raise the money to do the purchase and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it was a, you know, a real learning process because I'd, I'd always worked inside of companies. Now, did anybody say, what, you're crazy? Not really. Okay. Uh, more people said, wow, that's cool. That's cool. Right. Yeah. yeah like when I talked to that's, that's great. To yeah. When that. I told my boss uh, at yeah. uh, the company I was working for, he's like, Okay, well, that's, you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to talk you out of that. <laughs> that's super cool. I mean, they'd seen you sailing. They knew you were passionate about it. Yes. Yeah, so absolutely. It, it, was and it was a natural progression. Yeah, and I, I had a hankering to run my own business of some sort. Mm. And the idea of it being in a field that I was passionate about just added extra appeal. Yeah, yeah. So it happened pretty quickly? It took longer than I would have guessed mm -hmm. and in ways that surprised me. We had that initial conversation in October of 2020, or sorry, 2013. Okay. And it, you know, took me about a month to be like, okay, here's what I'm going to offer for the company. So that, you know, went fairly quickly. Um, we got to a, you know, an indication of yes. By December, we had a handshake agreement. By February, we had a contract, right? And so that seemed to all go very fast. And then I was like, this is all pending financing. Mm -hmm. And so I was assuming the financing part was going to be hard. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we all watch the movies of the, right. the guy going into the, the bank and trying to beg for a business loan and stuff. And securing a business loan wasn't the hard part. Getting the business loan to close was the hard part. Huh. You know, you're buying a sailing company that owns a bunch of boats. So the yeah. people that are used to, you know, underwriting business loans are not used to the collateral dynamics of, oh, we got a whole bunch of boats. So it was just, that was the mo the hardest part of the transaction. There's a disconnect there. I've been <laughs> just recently dealing with ins insurance companies for, for sailboats. And there's a whole process of educating. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And so you have a loan officer who's responsible for you know, getting all the documents together. And they're used to, okay, you have a house, let's put a lien on your house and stuff like that. They're not used to, here's a bunch of vessels and the documentation is with the U.S. Coast Guard. And so that ultimately, it was the logistics and paperwork process. So we were hoping to have the deal close in March. I took control of the company on July 18th. <laughs> <laughs> that part I would have never anticipated. I took over in July. P 
peak season, things are running full out. And that was a you you never would have picked that to be right. a good transition. Your time. first year, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, let's, was, let's hit the ground running. You got it. I was up here working on July Fourth weekend, right? Oh my because gosh. yeah, I started working in the business when it looked like the deal was going to close. I gave notice at my previous job, and I came up here and started working after we had already told the employees, hey, the business company is going to be sold, and here's the new owner. I was up here trying to you know, learn the business, even though it wasn't officially mine yet. Yeah. So I was here for Fourth of July weekend. Oh you know, like, wow, okay. This is, here we go. You got it. So that was 13, 2013, you said? Yeah, I started in 13, so I officially took over in July of 2014. Okay. Mm-hmm. So next year... We'll be coming up on 10 years. Yes. Yep. Wow. Congrats. That's Thank exciting. You. What have been the changes in the past decade? What, ah. what, what kind of things have you done? I'm sure you've put your imprint on the place over the past I decade. think so. I uh, hope so. I haven't meaningfully changed the model mm-hmm. at all. The sailing school, sailing club, charter operation model you know started to come together in like the late 70s early 80s and in the 90s the membership part really kind of took hold and i think there were some changes in the insurance industry whereby the chartering to non-members started to become very uncommon Mm. and the insurance industry sort of pushed towards this club concept so the business model was fairly... That's really interesting. I had no idea that. That's a difference to me from the East Coast to West Coast, I noticed. Okay. And, and may, maybe it's just time because I used to live on the East mm-hmm. Coast and maybe yep. the, the, there's more clubs on the East Coast. But I remember coming out here and being like, oh, you can't really just rent a boat. You have to become a member of a club. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's a common thing here. Yeah. And that... There are a lot of sailing schools that started in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, I think trade winds may actually go back into the 60s. Hmm. OCSC, those guys started in the late 70s. Modern was early 80s. They all went through a similar evolution whereby at some point in time, they really converted to a members-only chartering model. Why don't you explain a little bit about how membership works and what people get for that membership and the classes and the charters. and Certainly, yeah. certainly. When people are looking to learn to sail, classic sailing school would have vessels that we will teach people to sail on. And then a logical extension of that is then when you complete your sailing courses, we will allow you to rent the boats. And that was a very, very common model because after you get your basic sailing lessons, the most important thing to build is sea time. Right. You know, you've just got to practice. You've just got to build your experience. It's hard, especially in San Francisco Bay, to give the keys to someone that comes in off the street. Yeah, I can see that. Like you said, particularly here in San Francisco Bay, you can get yourself in pretty big trouble pretty quickly. Absolutely. And sailing... You know, it's not like renting a sailboat is not like renting a car from Hertz. <laughs> Funny story. I was in Tahoe and I went down and uh, there was at the north end of the lake. There was, I don't remember exactly what it was, a little boat, Catalina 20 something. And I said, can I charter the boat? Can I rent the boat? They, yeah, take the boat for the day. I, here, here you go. 
I said, whoa, 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 wait a second. <laughs> I, I've never sailed here. Why don't you <laughs> orient me a little bit? It was kind of the opposite of what I was used to where they're hesitant. I was like, no, no, no. Are there marks I should know about? Are there shallow areas? So, Same yes. thing. There's a, down in Mountain View yeah. on Shoreline Park, there's a little pond and you can, you know, they'll, you can take out a little sailboat. And if you say you can sail, they'll, I don't know if it's still this way, but it used to be, if you say you can sail, they'll be like, okay, here, here you go. <laughs> but I mean, the, you know, uh, you yeah. can't, you can only get yourself in so much trouble right. in a little self-contained pond, yeah. whereas San Francisco Bay is a whole different proposition, right? You've got yes. major shipping traffic, major currents, major winds, the boats are bigger. You really need to know how to sail and you need to know how to sail that type of vessel. Right. So inevitably, the clubs need to vet you, and they either need to have taught you or they need to put, if, they, if you learn somewhere else, they need to put you on a vessel with an instructor to evaluate whether they should be giving you the keys. Totally. And so that sort of evolved into the membership model where we say, okay, everybody who's learned here and ultimately wants to be able to uh, rent the sailboats, we're going to make you members of the club. And you generally get preferential rates on the instructional programs as well as the ability to rent the boats. And then various clubs have tools to help connect people like crew lists and Mm -hmm. uh, things where you enable your members to share charters and stuff like that. We have a program called Club Sales, which is a, a tool to help connect sailors so that people can go out sailing before they're ready to charter the boat themselves. Right. That's yeah. Cool. So that's a big function of what the club provides. This classic school is the educational side. The club provides the connectivity yeah. so that you can get out in the wa- on the water. With it's a great combination for those who don't want the hassle of having their own the hassle or expense of having their own boat it's such a nice model and we certainly benefited taking the boats out and my wife was able to learn from a, a number of the courses here really we really enjoyed it and then do you guys also take groups that charter further afield yes yeah so a part of our programs and most of the clubs do it we call it global destinations okay we will establish boat rental at an exotic location, could be Greece, Italy, Tahiti, and we will rent several vessels there through one of the major providers like Sunsail, and we'll, we'll create an itinerary, and we will sell that program to our membership base, and generally they can either buy a cabin on a skippered boat, mm-hmm. or if they're sufficiently qualified, they can take one as a bare boat where they purchase the whole boat and bring along their own crew but everybody generally moves together following the same itinerary and so that's to me that's an extension of the learning process it's funny because i was just talking to a buddy today who actually owns a boat here and he was he wants to charter and he was saying you know i'm right on the edge where i don't feel completely comfortable going somewhere that i don't know the water and chartering my own which is smart i totally respect him for having mm-hmm. that awareness and saying mm, i'm not there quite yet but this kind of thing would be really it's, good yeah it's it's an excellent program for somebody like that mm-hmm. my first uh destination charter long before i was um owner of modern 
it was with a Sunsail organized flotilla, mm-hmm. and they put together the itinerary, and you got the added comfort of going with a group who knows what they're doing. Kind of like the rallies. Exactly. Where p- there's a group of people. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's the the extra structure and the support of the yeah. group, and so we have a lot of people who finish their their bare boat cruising course, and then the next step for them is, oh, cool, I want to join one of these uh, destination trips. The Caribbean trips are excellent for that because you'll have a lead boat, you know, that you sell by the cabin, and then you'll have a bunch of bare boats. Nice. And that's uh, there's so many wonderful places in the Caribbean where you can hop, day hop. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. My favorite is the Grenadine Islands. Oh, the Grenadines are gorgeous. I always say that, you know, when you picture, when at least for myself, when I just picture tropical islands, the Grenadines kind of just, Mm -hmm. those sandy islands with palm trees. Yeah, it's just picturesque. What has surprised you about running a sailing school? Honestly? Yeah. How hard it is. And I joke with people who come in and join the management team. I say, it's surprisingly hard. And they, I get a smile, and they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, How hard sailing. could it be? Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. It is surprisingly hard. Imagine if your car broke every time you drove it. Mm. Then I say, imagine if your hurts. <laughs> because that's what we are, right? Yeah. We have rented boats to people. That the day before your rental, that boat can break. And they're not all the same car. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, it's a seven-day-a-week thing. You're trying to get to norms and standards across an industry which has a lot of diversity. Yeah. So boats aren't exactly the same. Every boat's got its uniqueness, and even the same model can be kitted out very differently. You would like to be able to show up and be able to sail a boat, but it would also benefit to get like a full-on four-hour orientation on every boat that you uh, uh, get to take out. So it's trying to establish consistency in a world that has a lot of variables. Yeah. So what do you do to, to mitigate for that or make it a little easier there's there's a couple different ways like operationally you know the getting on the same training platform helps when i first arrived at modern our silver fleet our smaller vessels it was a mix and match of a whole bunch of different types and so the journey over the last several years has been to sort of wash out the older ones in favor of a whole bunch of boats that are the same uh-huh. Yeah, and so that's a common thing that you'll see a lot of schools, their training platform. And your Silver Fleet is made up of mostly what kind of boats? Catalina 30s. Okay. So we teach on Catalina 30s here in Sausalito. Over in Berkeley, we teach on Catalina 30s or J24s. Okay. And that was the training platform over in Berkeley for many, many years. They're getting a little long in the tooth, but it's nice to have a platform that was built for many, many years, so mm-hmm. there's lots of them around. Um, and, you know, so I, I don't know what the next training platform will be yeah. after the Catalina 30s fully age out. Well, you mentioned over in Berkeley, which I want to talk about. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, no, don't apologize. It's a perfect segue. And before you mentioned OCSC, which I don't remember what OCSC stood for. It used to stand for Olympic Circle 
Sailing Club. Oh, that's right. Because in they Berkeley, it's circle. the Olympic Circle, right? Yeah. And then at some point in their history, they were told that you're not allowed to use the name Olympic. Olympic uh, is, you know, yeah, got the Olympics. They get a little touchy about You that. got it. You got it. You got it. So <laughs> instead of changing their name, they said, okay, our name is the acronym. OCSC. OCSC. That will be our name. That's how everybody knew it. OCSC, uh, a school that was beloved by many. Mm-hmm. Great educational reputation. Yeah, and g- great location. But um, I guess the, their founder uh, decided to, to close, to shutter the business a few years ago. And um, you guys, did you, you purchased? I didn't or, purchase. So, so well, tell, tell, us, tell us the story. Yeah, so really um, OCSC, like everyone, mm-hmm. was forced to close at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. Right. Most of the schools reopened. Um, I think Modern might have been the first to reopen. So we reopened in May of 2020. So we actually weren't closed that long. So this is a, 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 a sideline here. I know I asked yeah, you a question. I'm asking you another. How did you survive the pandemic? It was very, very tough. It was stressful because the uncertainty for a while was very, very stressful. You know, we had no idea in the first month how long it was going to be. We didn't know if we were going to be able to reopen. Yeah. And so there were a couple things. You know, our operations ceased, but we didn't want to lose all the employees. Yeah. So we tried to furlough employees, but with the, the hope of bringing people back as soon as we possibly could. Yeah. So tough. You know, when you stop an operation, you know, you need the team to kind of start before you reopen to kind of get things going again. So ultimately, it was a combination of two things. I had a core group of people that we kept working, and we were remotely having meetings to try and figure out, okay, what do we have to do to get ready for the operation to reopen? I participated on the local Marin Recovers Mm. uh, partnership between, uh, it was like a public-private partnership. But anyway, we helped uh, work with government to establish what the protocols were going to be for safety. What did you need to do if you ran a sailing school, if you the kayak guys, okay, every day we're going to, you know, fully sanitize all the paddles and all the life jackets and all that sort of stuff. Everybody had to figure out reopening protocols. Yeah. I guess you're lucky in that at least, well, not for the classroom stuff, but at least it's an outdoor sport. Yes. Yeah. So it's a very outdoor sport. And once the government you know, sort of said, hey, outdoor recreational activities can reopen, and they were some of the first to reopen, then what we did was just had to implement all the protocols to create spacing. And I mean, our first month when we reopened, it was just bareboat charters. We staggered the appointments so clients weren't showing up at the same time. Mm-hmm. When we let a boat be rented, it sat furlough for the day after that. And then it wasn't until the next day that we put a crew on to clean it. And so it couldn't be rented until the third day. (laughs) So, you know, we were really, really glad when things moved past, hey, COVID is a surface issue. Um, But ultimately... I remember those days wiping down groceries. Exactly. Exactly. crazy. And the team really, really pulled together. It was really, really great. And so... And then when we got the school reopened, we started with half capacity so that we could. So we normally have four people in a class. We started with two people in a class. 
And honestly, that was a break-even proposition. We weren't making any money on that. We just wanted to get the operation rolling. Fortunately, we did. And fortunately, the bulk of the uh, instructor team came back teaching in in the second half of the year. There was a lot of demand because everybody liked the idea of an outdoor activity. It That's felt right. Healthy. Outdoor activities just boomed. I remember bike sales went through the yes. roof. And 2021 was my biggest year. Wow. It was amazing because, you know, outdoor activities where you didn't have to get on a plane were the only game in town, and a lot of people wanted to learn to sail. When we first reopened, I remember one of our first charters came back, and he just said, thank you. He was like, he took his 10-year-old daughter out sailing, and he's like, we've been going stir crazy. He's like, this is so awesome. That's so, great. Yeah, to was, be able to give cool. people that that for sense of freedom when they've been cooped up inside their houses for so long. Absolutely. Just, must feel really good. Yeah. Yeah, that did feel really, really good. So that helped a lot, you know, and we were able to get back going. And then I started to see some of the other clubs on the bay start to bring back their operations as well. But OCSE wasn't quite so lucky. No, they they did not opt to, um, you know, I think there were multiple conversations before I got there, but ultimately they did not reopen. Yeah. And so um, I guess it was in 2021 that I put together a group of people to say, okay, how are we going to open something in Berkeley? Right there, that's a great location. There's a void. We should have a sailing school in Berkeley. Was this you were at a place with the business that you were comfortable to expand? What was the impetus for what we want to go? To the Berkeley? need for expansion, yeah, and the need for diversity. You know, our location in Sausalito had grown to the point where, you know, on a busy summer day we're starting to get in each other's way. Okay. And if you're wanting to go on a sailing course, you're not wanting to spend time sitting and waiting for the other boat to get out of the way so that you could wait for your turn to try practice docking. Right. So we needed more space. And we would have eventually had to go looking for space somewhere. Yeah. And then this location where a club used to exist, right, they went under and uh, so... That was an opportunity. That was an opportunity to create. Now we so basically, the space at Berkeley Marine Center became available. Is that, that yes. how it happened? Yeah. The space at Berkeley Marine Center became available. Several people who used to be involved in that company were very passionate about trying to create something that would persist in its place. Yeah. Um, and so we created a new entity that we called Inspire Sailing. It's a different program than Modern's. It looked more like the old OCSC program because OCSC had a different curriculum than modern. And was it still um, ASA or? Was uh, no, it, it was U.S. Sailing. It was U.S. Sailing. Yeah, okay. it was U.S. Sailing. So OCSCs was U.S. Sailing, and so I'm going creating a, an entity in Berkeley, and I wanted to maximize the return of Berkeley clientele sure. as well as Berkeley instructors. Modern was running, you know full capacity, I didn't have my existing instructors couldn't uh, go over to Berkeley and fully staff their programs. Yeah. So I needed to rely on Berkeley-based instructors, and if more of them were U.S. sailing, that's, that's what we needed to do. And then ultimately, as time went on, 
we tried to run them as what we called partner clubs, uh-huh. say to members, oh, you can have dual site ben- uh, benefits, you could charter here or there. But the challenges with running two independent operations and trying to convince the clients of two independent operations to go over there, yeah. like the, the, the goal was, hey, I don't have capacity in a certain course in Sausalito, Right. Uh, go over to the one in Berkeley. But if it's on a different curriculum, you don't really want to do that. So uh, and people might not know that they're similar entities if yeah. they don't have the same name. And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So then we made the decision at the tail end of 2022 to merge the two companies and Inspire Sailing was rebranded uh, as Modern Sailing. And what's the reaction been? So the general reaction has been, yeah, that makes sense. That's what I hear nine times out of 10. Yeah, that makes sense. Of course. Yep. I don't know why you didn't do that right from the start. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the logic for, you know, starting as a, as a U.S. sailing program. Right, to, right. Know. And like you said, you didn't want to immediately alienate those who had been teaching or had been... Uh, were you able to retain some people, with some instructors with a new curriculum? Yes. Yeah. Great. So we... Um, we got a lot of the former OCSC members joined Inspire Sailing. We got some of the former OCSC instructors joined Inspire Sailing. And then as a part of the merger, uh, all of those instructors were converted to also get uh, ASA instructor certification uh, qualifications. I'm curious, um, <coughs> what is, I have taken, have I taken any ASA courses? I don't know if I've taken it. I just took a U.S. Sailing Safety at Sea course Great. last week in L.A. this past weekend. What do you say? What do you see as the biggest differences between the two? There is sort of positioning and marketing differences, mm-hmm. and then there is practical reality differences. Okay. Positioning and marketing, ASA is more geared towards cruising. Mm. U.S. sailing is more geared towards performance and racing. Okay, yes, that makes sense. Under the hood, ASA's keelboat instructional program and U.S. sailing's keelboat instructional program are very, very similar. Yeah. Um, They have practically the same names. Basic keelboat, basic keelboat sailing, basic coastal cruising, basic cruising. It's (laughs) very, very much the same. Their prerequisites are very, very similar. Their textbooks, if you tore the cover off, would look very, very similar. So ultimately, from a practical point of view, the curriculums aren't very much different. People ask a lot, you know, oh, is U.S. sailing better? And I say, no. What matters is the implementation of the school. Yes, totally. My father used to tell me, don't pick your courses on the subject. Pick them on the professor. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Teach, yeah. can teach you. It's just so much more exciting. Yes. So. Yeah, yeah. So a good, diligent, structured school can make a great ASA sailing program or a great U.S. sailing program. And, you know, somebody who doesn't have the same respect for the educational process could, you know, do a poor implementation on that, too. Right, right, right. Congrats on the rebranding. Uh, exciting. I hope things are going well over there. Um We'll have to come 
sail over there. Absolutely, with you come sometime. sail over there. Yeah. yeah, we've definitely, especially if you like to go fast, we've got uh, right. more performance-centric uh, sailboats sailing out of Berkeley, which is which cool. is uh, suits that environment very very it's well. It's a great space. I mean, I spent a little time over there because when I first had a boat out here, it was at the Berkeley Marine Center for a bit so i got to know the cool. space a little bit and really mm-hmm. like just kind of the feel of that, yeah that whole and great area. team over so, there really yeah, really good yeah and uh Cree, who runs the berkeley marine center is just a <laughs> legend <laughs> in his own right right absolutely so what's on the horizon for modern what are you looking forward to um cool so we've had some we before we got recording we talked about how we've had such a harsh winter and that was Hard on the boats, but also hard on the business. Absolutely. Um, we're all very, very relieved to have the yeah. sun come out and the oh, weather turn gosh, nice. This is... Yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to see the place grow, new programs roll out. So we're doing a one of those destination trips that you mentioned. We've got a trip to Croatia this fall. Oh, what a great place to sail. Yep. Uh, Are you going? Uh, not personally. No. Okay. Uh, the club is going. The club is I, going. I've been yeah. to Croatia. I did yeah. that trip in 2018. Nice. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that one. I'll probably do a Caribbean trip in January. How much do you get to get out on the water? Um, I mean, I know you're running the business, which I'm sure keeps you very busy. <laughs> yeah. It's a good month if I get out three or four times. Yeah. I rarely get out every single week. Yeah. But there are certain, and I. I don't get the opportunity to like teach the multi-day courses very much, but there are certain single-day clinics that I'll make, you know, kind of my specialty, or I'll join some of the race days on the race program. I, I do like the out-the-gate stuff, so you know, in the fall I might teach an advanced coastal course. Excellent. You know, do a do a fair lawns trip, but it's a lot of single-day kind of stuff. Raises a question in my mind: Had you done any? instructing when you bought the business no you hadn't no i was not yet a coast guard captain and i was not yet an asa instructor how quickly did that come i mean because you're all of a sudden you're running a business i can't imagine that you had a whole hell of a lot of time to go start taking the courses while you were i didn't get my captain's license and instructor certs until 2018 okay so i was yeah it was three or four years of running the business and really really focusing on the business needs yeah uh and then i eventually wanted to you know make sure i was fully credentialed in the uh in the you can understand the folks in the trenches then too absolutely yeah absolutely so yeah now i've gotten most of them i don't have all the credentials but i'm credentialed up to like to be able to teach the advanced coastal uh cruising course so um yeah that was something i was very proud of yeah you should be Uh, that that's a very cool cool thing to have what haven't we talked about that you want to talk about either? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't know. What's uh, what's next? Yeah. Um, so we've done some uh, really cool exploratory things over the years. And in 2019, we participated in the Baja Ha Ha. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was great. That was myself and a bunch of modern sailing instructors. We kind of did it as a test run. Yeah. For me personally, I would love to do the pack up. That, oh, that's on yes. my sailing that's bucket list. list. Good, good one to put on the bucket list. Yeah. How how was your Baja Ha Ha experience? Oh, it was super fun. Yeah. Super fun. I yeah. wanted to participate in that event, just see what it was, and try to figure out if it's something we could eventually take clients on. Yeah. Uh, I think our members would love it. You I'm know, sure we, you've had a lot of members over the years who've have gone off and yes, done it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, many of our members go on to 
buy boats, do a lot of cruising. In fact, last year, I had a really fun opportunity. I took the family of a former member of modern, well, I guess he's a member again now, but a former student of modern sailing. He was a student back in 2013, 2014. In 2016, he bought a boat. In 2018, he did the uh, pack up and kept on going, did a full circumnavigation. It was interrupted by COVID, but he picked it back up to finish it, and he finished it last year, and I took his parents and his brother on a boat out to meet him as he sailed in under the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, oh that was cool. cool. Signs and horns and yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, full circumnavigation. He started with us not knowing nothing, completely green. Sounds like somebody who I should get the name of so I can talk to him on the podcast. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll I connect will, on I that will connect you and Warren. That'd be great. Oh, that's nice to be part of that and to have that connection with so many sailing sailors. It's a community, yes, it sounds like. Absolutely. As much as anything. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I've been here for some of the events that you have in the, in the afternoons where people just gather and they just chat and after going out and on the boats. And it's just such a nice feel. You've got a, a nice space. We were talking about the space over in Berkeley, but the space here is just really special, too. Yeah, we call it an apres sale. But that, that, <laughs> yes, sort of, that sort of gathering over drinks after a sailing activity, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And you see the longtime instructors just sitting down, uh, chit-chatting with the brand-new students, and everybody's sharing stories. And it, yeah, it really does. Uh, it builds the community. And I love when the connections occur. So mm. there's a couple uh, that are members of Modern Sailing. They were on the uh, boat with me in St. Lucia back in 2019. And they recently helped one of our instructors who purchased a catamaran manufactured in South Africa, and they joined him for the delivery from South Africa to the Caribbean. How cool. And they never knew each other before. They were just, you know, (laughs) the connection was modern sailing. So I love to see those sort of activities. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, Lee, this has been so great. I'm thrilled to learn more about you and about the school, the club, and people can learn more at modernsailing.com. Absolutely, modernsailing.com. Cool. And they can come by and talk to us anytime. We're here seven days a week. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thanks. Certainly. Thank you. That's it for this week's show. As Lee mentioned, you can visit Modern Sailing online at modernsailing.com or in person in Sausalito or in Berkeley. I'm your host, Ben Shaw. Thanks for listening. You can reach me on Instagram at OutTheGateSailing or email me at OutTheGateSailing at gmail.com. Until next time, smooth sailing. Smooth sailing.